Good morning again. The title of the message is The Seventh Seal, Silence in Heaven. This as a way to review, at the end of chapter 6, the sixth seal was broken. That's in verse 12 of chapter 6. Then, of course, chapter 7 is the first of several interludes in the book. But here in the beginning of chapter 8, the seventh seal is broken. And the breaking of the seal produces a silence in heaven. It is though all of heaven is holding its breath. Now you and I can think of situations like this. Silence before judgment. For example, in the courtroom. The jury comes back after deliberating, sometimes days and weeks. The judge asks the chairman of the jury, do you have a verdict? Have you reached one? Yes, we have. And that silence as the bailiff takes the verdict and hands it to the judge. The judge looks at the verdict and he asks the plaintiff to please stand. That silence that comes across the courtroom right before the sentence is read, or the verdict, excuse me. How about when someone is given the capitalist punishment, death, and the person is asked to give his last words, and he does, and that silence right before the lethal injection goes in. Judgment is about to come to earth like never before. I will say this once, I'll probably say it again. I encourage you, I implore you to read the rest of chapter 8 into verse, uh, chapter 9 and read about the trumpet judgments. It's like the storm is about to break forth in all its fury. And perhaps the enormity of what's going to happen causes the silence in heaven. Look at verse 1 again. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal. There was a silence in heaven for about half an hour, or throughout heaven for about half an hour. Rather than continuation of the chaos we saw take place when the first six seals were broken, there is a silence. And looking at the text, we don't find an exact explanation or reason for it. Perhaps the silence is for the prayers of the saints to be heard. If you look down in verse 3 and 4 of chapter 8, you'll find this. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so he may add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which were before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God and out of the angel's hands. Now, if you recall back in chapter 6, verse 10, the martyrs were crying out to God to avenge our blood. But here, we don't know what the exact contents are of these prayers that are going up. Perhaps they're crying out for justice and mercy, which is appropriate for the people of God to pray for, but we just don't know. But certainly, this silence is striking. Considering all the extraordinary or 
excuse me, extraordinary activity we've seen in previous chapters. All the stuff that was going on. And silence in Scripture indicates respect, submission, and anticipation. For example, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. And then Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 7. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. For the Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated His guests. One of the best descriptions I read about this silence says this. This silence is right before the great storm of God's wrath. See, the seventh seal has nearly no features of its own, but it contains and serves to introduce the seven trumpets that will be blown. Once again, I don't want to belate this point, but heaven is silent. For half an hour, completely silent. In chapters 5 and 6, we see heaven is resounding with the praises of the redeemed, of the angels, of the living creatures, crying out with loud voices, it says. Now there's nothing but stillness and silence. No voice is heard. No motion is seen. Think of it, heaven standing completely silent for half an hour. Can you imagine the judgments of misery, blood, and woe that will be poured out will be so terrible, so frightening, that the very sight of them renders every person in heaven silent. As it is right now in this room. Silent. Before this silence, God is speaking and has spoke. He's even speaking now. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. That is the answer, dearly beloved, that everybody's looking for. God has given his final answer, and it's his son, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One. What's the best cure for our country? Christ. What's the best cure for our community? Christ. What's the cure for everything? Christ. Men are running around everywhere trying to figure out what the answer is to have peace and unity. God has spoken. And he says in the prophets, the Old Testament points to Christ. The New Testament points back to Christ. He's given us his final answer. And the reason I bring that up is I think about the silence going on in heaven. And I thought about in our day and time, how many voices and noises prevent us, prevent many of us from hearing from God, from hearing from his word now more than ever. I'm going to date myself with this, but that's okay. I remember the first 24-hour uh, department store called Dark Drug up in Virginia. Oh, wow, this place opened 24 hours. And I remember 7-Eleven got its name because it was open from 7 in the morning to 11 at night. 
it may be hard for some of the young people to understand this. That was radical back in those days to have a store open that long. And I remember when there was blue laws, you couldn't go do anything on Sunday. But God's voice is going to be heard throughout the entire world again by all creation. And it will be judgment that will fall upon an unbelieving world. Look what he says in verse 2. I saw the seven angels who stand before God or in the presence of God. And seven trumpets were given to them. Now we must understand that trumpets were very significant for Israel in the history of Israel. And stood for several things. The sound of a trumpet meant God was getting ready to intervene. The trumpet called God's people to work, to war, and to worship. If you go back in Exodus chapter 19, you will find that a trumpet sounded at Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, verse 16. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound. So all the people who are in the camp trembled. This is God coming down to Mount Sinai to give the Ten Commandments to Moses. You can read about the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 19. But that loud trumpet, they heard it. And they saw it was coming. And the text says... The whole camp trembled. When's the last time you were so afraid and frightened that you just literally shook? You couldn't stop shaking. You trembled. You go a little further into uh, in the history with Israel, you'll find in Joshua chapter 6, it was a trumpet that sounded that the walls of Jericho came down. Verse 5 of Joshua chapter 6. It shall be that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will, be, will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So they walked around the city once a day or every day. On the last day, they walked around seven times, blew it, and the walls came down. By the way, I saw an article some years ago done by archaeologists. I can't say the word. Help me out. Thank you. <laughs> it's embarrassing. And they did some digs over there, and they said, I don't think the walls fell out or fell in. It's like the earth opened up and the walls went down into the earth. What they were saying. But once again, a trumpet. Now, if we recall back in Revelation chapter 1, the voice of Christ is described like a sound of a trumpet. Verse 10 of Revelation 1, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. Now, there's more passages we can look at. But here's my point. When every being saw, that this in heaven saw the seven trumpets given out to these seven angels, they knew something big and immense was about to go down. They knew what that meant. And the readers of the original text, you know, when John wrote this and it went to those churches, when they heard the trumpet was going to sound, I bet it grabbed their attention real quick. Something so immense that it would have enormous, massive, and immense proportions. Read 
verse 3 to the end of the chapter and read chapter 9. I've worked my way up to chapter 10. There are some bad things that happen. But God is rendering his judgment, which he tells us he's going to do. It occurred to you that he's given us this to kind of warn us? He's told us, I'm going to judge sin by his very character. He has to because he's a holy, righteous God. But because he's also a merciful God, he's made a way out for every man, woman, and child on this planet who has ever lived and whoever will live, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. But that decision is up to you. May I ask another question? This based on what we've done today, just two verses. Do you want to be here when those trumpets blow and see what happens and experience that? I beg of you and I implore you if there's anything, anything that's coming between you and God, deal with it now before it's everlasting too late. All in heaven are in breathless anticipation awaiting for God's final actions. His final actions in bringing human history to a close. And sinners are silent in the face of imminent or looming judgment. The thought of God's final victory over evil should produce in us both anticipation and prayer and repentance and confession. What does it say in Scripture? Pride goes before the fall. Well, I don't have the problem with that. If, if you're feeling any conviction right now, that's the Holy Spirit of God trying to get your attention. And by the way, it happens to me when I preach. Yes, it does. I'm not a... I, I, I listen to them, and it happens to me just like it happens to you. It should remind us of the days in which we are living. <laughs> Somebody here, I'm not going to mention any names, proclaimed in Sunday school they don't watch the news. All negative. I can understand that. But have you seen some of the headlines? Uh, China's upset. Might be some wars about to happen. Famine. We haven't any rain. A lot of our countries under a, a severe drought. Uh, people are talking possibly about another a recession in the economy. Inflation's going through the roof. People can't get enough people to work, so on and so forth. And I'm not making a lot of those things. Those things are serious. And we need to pray about those things to God. But I'm telling you, something even bigger than that is about to go down. And that's the trumpets are fixing to blow real, real soon. We must get that noise out of our heads and out of our hearts and stay focused on God. And it's to serve as a warning for us not to get so wrapped up in this world. Yes, participate, be informed, but remember who's really in control and what this is really all about. This is serious business, dear beloved. This is eternity we're talking about. And there's only two places you can go, heaven or hell. Very serious. Psalm 
46, verse 10, you probably know this. Cease striving, be still, let go, or as the New Living Translation puts it, relax. And know that He is God. Have you ever done that? You see all this stuff and you feel so overwhelmed and perplexed. And you're thinking, what can I possibly do? You just, God help me. And you just relax in his presence. Know that he is God. He says in that verse, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. None of this, by the way, is catching God off guard. And when this stuff starts to happen, depending on where you think the, the uh, rapture is going to happen, and all figures in this too, but we don't have time to go through all that right now, good chance we won't be here. How about your loved ones, friends, family? Where are they going to spend eternity? I, I, I'm not trying to make light of the text, but I'll tell you, after reading it, Many times, it still frightens me, the things I read about in there. It's downright frightening. And think about that. People come to church, they hear the gospel time and time again, yet they do not respond. Why is that? Too pride? Is it fear? Most of you in this room, I believe, are Christians, based on knowing you almost six years now come November. Some I've known longer than others. But I do know this. God's calling you into a deeper relationship with him. Perhaps he's calling you to join this body. Perhaps he's calling you to say, well, he wants me to teach, but I don't know what. Perhaps God's saying, I want you to be involved in the ministry of this church. Perhaps he's calling you to work with kids and blast. We're not meant to sit on a pew and be a spectator. That's not what it's about. It's about all of us working together and defying the body. Where are you at with your walk right now? And I'm, I'm going to close with this. I was up very early this morning. And uh, the two preachers, one of the preachers I really like to listen to is Dr. Tony Evans. He's at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship there in Dallas. He was talking about prayer. And Jerry, I thought about you when I saw this. Just because you talked about prayer at last cottage prayer meeting. He defined prayer as relational. When Jesus says, I want you to go in your prayer closet where your father sees in secret through a word you say, you need to close that door and have that one-on-one conversation. You know why he wants you to do it in private? Because in private, we can be more real. We get around people who like to say stuff, don't we? I'll ask Corey how he's doing today. he say, fine, how are you doing today? And I'll go, I'm fine too. But then you know, I'll walk out and I'm dealing with all this other stuff. Isn't that true? We get one-on-one with God, we can be real. But it's all relational. And one thing that really stuck out with me, I'm going to leave with you today, is this. God lets problems, situations, and even uh, struggles into our life to grab our attention because God doesn't want you coming to him just to get what you, what you can out of him. He wants to know that you really want him simply because he is God. And he'll use all that, throw those needs. He'll throw a need in your life, 
won't get your attention. Then he'll say, well, I'll tell you what. Let me just ratchet it up a little bit. Do you have nothing? Because usually when we have nothing, who's the first place we go? God. How's your prayer life? Spending time with God? In a prayer closet? You know, he loves you that much. He wants to have that conversation with you. He longs for it. No different than when my girls still came. I don't care how old they are. They still come see me, hug my neck, and tell me I love you, Daddy. It's God wants. It's what he desires. That's why he sent his son. Next week, we'll get into the first four trumpets. The judgment is the bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ. If you have any doubt where you stand today, why not take a few minutes and make sure. If God's calling you to join this local body, then why don't you do it today? If God's calling you, step in and say, Tim, and tell us, I want, I want to join. I, don't know, I want to find out what my spiritual gifts are. We have some spiritual gift inventory you can take. Now, that's man-made. Don't pigeonhole yourself, but you get to start. You having problems? Maybe you're holding a grudge against somebody else in this room. But here's my point. Every week when I study Sunday for Sunday after Sunday, it's impressing on me. Time is getting so short. It's getting short. Where are you at? How's your walk? Is God calling you to pray and intervene on the people's behalf? Whatever it is, please respond and be obedient to his voice. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. As we begin to read the revelation about your judgment being poured out, Father, it frightens us, it scares us. But we know you're a merciful, loving God that you made a way out that our sin can be dealt with with Jesus being nailed to that cross with our sins with him. Father, there's no reason any of us should be in here for the judgment that's coming because we all know what the, what the answer is. We know what we must do. So Father, I pray as you knock down every wall, you break every chain, you grant us the courage and the boldness to step forward. and answer your call. May your spirit continue to move among us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?